The Healing Lives Center is a center for sex, trauma, and marriage education and transformation and has the critical mission to strengthen that which God created and values, marriages and the nuclear family. Dr. Gilbert, your host, aims to provide important teaching on tough topics, great interviews and conversations, and tools just for you, all emphasizing a biblical worldview. Join us now with today's feature. Welcome to the Family Features Podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I am excited to interview today two doctors that are married and have been married for quite a long time and still are married, Dr. and Dr. Hindmarsh. So welcome. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for getting that right. That was pretty. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing, actually. A lot of people say Hindmarsh, and I go, really? Do you say Behind? No, <laughs> I, I was talking about the doctor and doctor. Doctor and doctor, yeah. <laughs> we, could, we could totally like unpack that, how that plays out sometimes. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Well, tell us, how did you, like, as you were talking kind of talking before, a lot of people don't make it this long when you have such even intense careers, let alone the same careers. So what what was how the... come you're still here, Tim? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> because I was unbelievably amazing naked. That's always the secret. And <laughs> that's right. That's the goal. That's the goal. So uh you know, really the undergirding okay, everyone that gets married is dumb because you don't know what you're getting into but you're exactly. making i mean it really from <laughs> a rationalistic perspective this is an insane endeavor Correct. because because you are making a commitment to somebody usually when you're fairly young so you don't really know yourself you clearly don't really know the other person and you're giving yourself that you're, you're making this commitment that's supposed to last for the rest of your life. So you're making a decision when you're 21 or, you know, in our case, I was 26 and May was 25, that potentially 70 years later is going to develop into something that was actually worth, you know, committing your entire life to. So the only way that that's going to work is if you are guided by principles far bigger than yourself, because you are in incredibly deep waters right from the beginning. Very true. So, so what um, kind of principles would that be? You know, what well, surface for you guys? First of all, she's always right. <laughs> going. Second of all, going. I make her laugh every there. Done. Okay, let's move on. No, really, for us, I think the 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 single undergirding principle, and this was obviously guided by our faith, was that the marriage itself was bigger than either partner. Nice. So, yeah. so it's kind of like, you know, if you look at if you if you take a sports analogy, um, why do guys that are super committed to themselves and their own stats kind of make us gag when we watch them play? Um, they might be great, but they they end up destroying teams. I mean, like you think of somebody like Terrell Owens or Antonio Antonio Brown, both wide receivers. They they created chaos everywhere they went because it clearly wasn't about the team. It was about them. And they were the best players at their position at the time they played. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, you think of guys like Brady and like Peyton Manning and so forth, everywhere, everywhere they went, people got better because they yeah. made everyone around them better. So if my goal in life, in my marriage is to make my wife's life better and to seek understanding in what it takes to make her life better by definition, my life just got way better. That's right. Very well said. 
I was thinking oh, while you're doing the sports analogy, I don't know, trying to think of a better analogy for the. There is no better for analogy. The, for the <laughs> female side or even the guys that don't follow the sports thing, what what would line up with that? But I didn't come up with something really quick. But um, to your point, uh, I mean, when, yeah, I, when you are there to support the other person and build them up so that they're successful, it just, um, it's hard for people to understand but it snowballs back towards you. You think that, you know, I'm just giving, giving, giving. That's all I do is give. I'm not going to get anything back. And that's what society teaches you. But until you um, really live it and experience it and try it, I mean, it really, when you put into the marriage and you give to support your partner, mind you, you both have to be on the same page and, and you know, working towards the same goal, obviously. But when you do that, um, yeah, you get back so much more really than you put. It's almost like, I just think of when I've done mission trips with people that have, you know, volunteered and gone somewhere and you're like, oh, I'm giving my time. I'm doing all this. And you're like, you come out of there and you go, wow. Like, yeah, I, I did all this, but I got so much yeah. more back for myself. It just yeah. surprised you. It's really that way in marriage as well, that when you are putting in that effort to loving your spouse, to helping them be successful, it kind of, comes back exactly just like that you're like wow i mean now they are and and, and the ways practically are um of course they're successful it helps the marriage but they also look at you and go oh my my spouse you are supporting me now i want to support you um their attitude changes mm -hmm. um so many ways i mean i'm trying just trying to i'll think of something really practical here but for the the basis is that what you put in, it multiplies. It's not one plus one equals two. It's, you know, one plus one equals four or five, et cetera. So it's exponential, but it doesn't seem that, that way one, naturally. That, that, that yeah. one, exponential would be one plus one equals 20. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> Although we could argue about the math. No, I, comes to I was terrible help, at math. Helping our kids with math. That wasn't how, how did you guys, though, maintain careers for 30 years and kids and life? And like, what was that like throughout the different seasons? Because I'm sure there's lots of different seasons that kind of came throughout that. And you both maintain that same main detained career. So that that uh, that's a really good question. That's a um Oh, not I won't say tough. So it worked out for us, um, mm -hmm. but it can be obviously that's a very difficult thing to balance and manage in a relationship. And I think from the the outset, so I can say what we did, but obviously from the outset, that's a big conversation that has to happen mm -hmm. to get in, into marriage because um, that's very obviously important basis for how things are going to go. Same with wanting to have children. I mean. If you want to, you have to have that discussion. One person wants kids, the other doesn't. I mean, that's a, that's going to be a huge struggle. Career is important, especially if you're both um, value career the same. But even if you don't, I mean, that there's that discussion of, okay, what are the expectations, right? Because everybody's got these expectations in your head and it's always the unspoken things that will get you in trouble. So exactly, yeah. for us, uh, I, you know, I don't remember this big pivotal moment when we sat down and 
and said, okay, exactly what do you want to do? What do I want to do? But we, it, things tumbled into place, but we did discuss it along the way. So for instance, we both are trained in family practice. We went through resident med school. We graduated together. We got married four days later after graduation. <laughs> we did residency in the same place and we did the same residency, both doing family practice. So we really got each other's careers completely because we were doing the same thing. Uh, so that did make it easier in a sense, but then there was also the more challenges because we are doing the same thing and have the same obstacles. You know, you, if someone is a say stay at home parent or spouse, or someone has a career that doesn't require them to be gone for 120 hours a week, you know, um, there's different support structures, but for us, once we started working and we were done, you know, we did have sort of different, different levels of how much we wanted to put into our career. And we had that discussion numerous times along the way. For me, my, you know, where I was at changed a lot. And I struggled because I always felt like I was a, I said a yo-yo to career and home life because I wanted to do both. And there was that hard part as a woman, that whole fallacy of you can have it all. You know, they lived through as a child of the, I don't know, 80s, 90s, 2000s, where it's like, yeah, you can be a woman and you can do it all. You can have this massively successful career and a marriage and be fit and athletic and have the kids and have the, and I quickly learned that, you know, uh, you can, but there's, you're pretty much, I would say like an elastic band that's being stretched in different directions. And that's going to, you're going to snap because you're going to be pulled in all different directions well i think that i think that Dick jagger is you know the prophet in that which is <laughs> yes exactly yeah. so you can probably get what you need and so as far as balancing though you know i mean so even figuring out what you want as an individual mm-hmm. first is very important and which is kind of what i'm trying to say and i you know that was the struggle on the way which we can talk about um, but we always brought it back to the marriage and it was like, okay, so I, there would be a point where I'm like, I really want to stay home more with the kids. That was my thing. I wanted to, I was more the nurturer. He didn't want to you know, take time off work or if they got sick, I'm like, you know, it's easier for me because of my career and my patient panel, because I'm working part-time and Tim's full-time. It's easier for me to just back you know call it a day and reschedule people and i'll do it and it was always negotiated that way it wasn't like well this is no fair how come you know and if it did seem to be unfair for a while he goes he would say you know okay yeah you've been cutting back on work you know now let me just stay home with the kids because they're sick but it was always a discussion and so you know along the way throughout when our children were you know infants to young kids needing a lot more time and energy, you know, through those formative uh, years, (laughs) grade school, and then high school, things change again. It was always a discussion of, you know, what do you feel like doing? What do you really want to do? So it has to be a a continuous discussion, discussion for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, We never, I always think of spouses, you know, who change careers or have to move physically. You know, we never came up against that. We've always been in the same location. But I, I think it's it's going to be a discussion together, a joint decision, um, because, um, yeah, you're right. If you're both in 
powerful careers and you're veering off in two different directions in the sky, like <laughs> fighter jets separating, you know, and um, that is going to be mutual destruction. So it basically is communication, mutual decision-making that's agreeable on both parties. Yeah. And you worked in the same place as well, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes. We, not, oh, no, not, yeah, always. Not, not always. So initially, no, we were in two okay. separate towns um part of the same group though um so we were different places and then we actually did work together a lot for many years and then the funny um you know funny stories that i actually played his nurse for like what nine or ten months his tim's uh i just had we just had our daughter so my it was back in the day when there was no maternity or paternity leave it was like if you had a kid well you and you took time off well you just were fired or not working or you left the job basically so that's kind of where i was at it was like all right if you're gonna have a baby and you're gonna be gone for three or four months well shop's closed you're not working here anymore so i did do that and then uh long story short tim's nurse she gave her two-week notice and he was stuck he had nobody and i'm like well i'm not doing anything i'll come in and help (laughs) out the helping out turned into what nine or ten months later and that was really, now we laugh at it, but um, when you have two equal individuals and then I'm taking orders from Tim and he's telling me what to do (laughs) and I'm like, but I would tell my nurse to do this. You should be doing this. You should be calling this patient and telling them, no, they can't have any more Vicodin. They're harassing me. It's your job. And it was pretty (laughs) funny. So I was siding with the nurses and they were, they were loving that because I wasn't going to take it from the boss, but, um, so that was, that was, it's <laughs> awesome. That was a little tough. Uh, but there was some, there were some good, there's some funny moments in there, you know, like for instance, at that time, Tim still, you were still doing deliveries. I remember one time he took off the, the clinic was right beside the hospital and we were working and he's like, I got to go do this delivery. See if you can like take care of the rest of the patients, like reschedule them. Or if anybody, I'm like, eh, if anybody needs to come in or whatever, um, so, you know, they would pop in and, and, uh, and I'm like, ah, I can just see. And they're, and they're like, I, uh, I'm confused. I thought you were Dr. Highmarsh's nurse. What do you mean? You can just see me things like that. Or so, yeah. <laughs> one day I was checking somebody in and, and they're like, who are you? What happened to, you know, I won't say her name. What happened to like Glenda ex nurse? And I'm like, oh, she's gone, but I'm Dr. Highmarsh's wife. Let me just check you in. And like, you, you can do that. You can just, <laughs> anyway, more of a joke, right? Because nobody knew I was a physician too, but, um, but anyway, yeah. So we've worked together. We've, we've worked together probably more than not. Yeah. It was really interesting though. And I think it's kind of a metaphor because if we were equals, it was, we worked together. Great. If we weren't equals, it was a complete nightmare. <laughs> That's um, good... I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it really was. And, you know, it's, you know, it's interesting because when you talk about this balancing of life and career, you know, I call it the Oprahification of, you know, the United States, this idea that you can have it all. You speak to the universe and it speaks back to you. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you know, it's just, I see it as her way of, you know, dealing with her guilt for being so unbelievably wealthy. Yeah. You know, you worked hard <laughs> yep. and you were fortunate and you took risks and you won. That's fine. You should be proud of that. Um, I don't think anyone should be ashamed of that. Um but, you know, 
the, you speak to the universe and unfortunately for a lot of people, the universe speaks back and says, yeah, you're, I don't like you, you know? <laughs> and so this idea that you can have it all is crazy, but, um, but it, it, it is true. You can have, you can definitely get what you need, but you can't have it all. And so, um, and, and we've learned this, um, not really the hard way, but I think that very few people live deliberately. And yeah. so they, so you know true. what? be financially independent by the time I'm X years old. Okay. Well, that's possible. It's possible for virtually anyone with a reasonably good job. You just have to plan. Okay. But that means that you don't get a new car every three years. It means that you're going to have to put a significant amount of your disposable income away and not touch it for 30 years. I mean, there's, there's sacrifices you have to make to make that goal happen. But if that's what you really want and that's really your goal, then that means you're going to have to do certain things. And, and so, but, but we don't look at that, right. It's like, there's a pill for everything. You know, I want to, I want to not be anxious. I want to have a good marriage, but I still want to go out three times a week, get drunk with my friends and sleep around. Well, you know what? That's not really going to work. Yeah. That's not going to work. I want to be super fit, but I want to eat whatever I want to eat whenever I want to eat it. Well, you're not going to be fit. Right. So, you know, either, you know, so you got to own that decision one way or the other, because you're going to own it regardless. So you might as well own it in a cognitive way where you, you really own it and go, you know what? I'll just stay 20 pounds overweight because I'm actually, this makes me really happy. Okay. Great. Speak I mean, the truth. That's truth. Make, yep. you know, and you're, yeah, exactly. At least you're living true. But this idea that, you know, I, I, I you know, I never have money. Well, there's a reason for that <laughs> yes. job. And, and, you know, I, I finally realized, you know, several years ago, like from a financial perspective, there was never enough money. Right. I mean, if I had a hundred times more annual income, I just buy helicopters instead of cars, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and, you know, I would just find interests to fill whatever disposable yep. income I had. <laughs> yep. So maybe, I should just deal with the desire side and actually do stuff I really, really like, and then I'll have leftover money. Wow, imagine that. Exactly. So I thought you were putting this together as like an analogy to marriage. Well, it is, but that's exactly the, <laughs> I'm like, that's exactly the point. It's exactly the point. If you want to, if you want to have a good marriage, it's exactly the same as retiring at, you know, 65 or 50 or you know these guys that do this fire you know they want to retire by 40 yeah i think you're right you know, people understand the planning for things like you know it's like successful the, finance or successful right. fitness but it, it's like do people really sort of think about what you have to do to get a successful marriage or at least no. what you would deem successful because that's you know just dependent on everybody right what, what down we, the person you finally bag them bounce them on the wall that's called the, the you know marriage certificate and you're on to the next conquest which is usually career and you ignore what you said was a value your marriage and instead other things take precedence exactly no that's exactly right i mean so if you it, it, it's if this is as much as he drives me crazy it's dave ramsey stuff right you know if you want to be if you want to be fit do what fit people do if you want to be rich do what rich people do <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> what people been married 50 years do you yes. know i mean it's really the case and so and, and we learned i i think you know to our strength we we learned this very early 
Nice. That it, I mean, and and fear is is can be very valuable. Like I, I I looked at getting divorced as the greatest moral failure I could have. Mm-hmm. So anything I could do to avoid that moral moral failure was important. Now it wasn't easy, just like saving for retirement and getting fit and being responsible with any limited resource is not easy. And this is in a way, it sounds terrible, resource management. You only have so much time. Right. So so how are you going to spend that in a way that is mutually edifying to your spouse? And I think more importantly, what does that feel like? Because what it feels like often is very risky. Okay. I'm going to empty the dishwasher every single day before she gets up. Why is it risky? Because maybe she's not going to give me that thing that I want. So Mm -hmm. why would I risk doing something that she wants? Well, you know what? You better risk it. (laughs) Because if it's like the, you you know, you go first. No, you go first. You go first. Then you go first. Well, then you know what happens? You go to a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, happy no, you know happy wife happy life yeah that's yeah. <laughs> no yeah no exactly because, because I, think, I love you because i love you that's why we do it i choose to orient myself towards i'm serving you it's service i tell my students um that there's this um like there's this tension between you know the whole work work life balance we say that word balance and it's like no when i'm at work and i'm with my students I'm absent from my family. Absolutely. And when I am with my family, guess what? I'm actually missing. I miss you guys. And I want to know what's going on with you guys. And the truth is, is it's, I'm missing something no matter which choice I make. Because I love what I do and I love my family. And there isn't a balance. It's a choice. And I choose the time I give here. And I choose the time I give there. Um, and sometimes it does get out of whack and you have to readjust. No, exactly. And like I back to my point, I, I always describe myself as kind of like I said, either like a bipolar work life balance or that elastic <laughs> yes. pulling in different directions, because it's exactly what you said. You know, you you get stretched more and more in one direction and something's going to snap. So it's like, yeah, I love work. And so I put a little bit more in there and, you know, and you get that positive feedback and then. Yes. And and the more, the further you go, I mean, there's a limit because then the things on the other side do snap. And so you, you can't, it doesn't expand in infinitesimally in all directions. You just can't, ha- you know, keep. Spreading. And it's the worst timing too. things snap at the worst time. Of course. Well, of right. Course. Right. And you're kind of set up for failure, right. Like, in, a, in a lot of ways. Right. Because if you think of it, okay, let's, let's say you're, you're let's say you're building any kind of career. Okay. Whether, you know, you're, a professor and a counselor like you, whether you're a physician, whether you're starting a business. Okay. Well, when are you going to have to really focus on that? Cause, cause it, it isn't balanced, right? I mean, it isn't, well, that's, that's in your thirties and forties. Mm-hmm. That's when you have the most energy you have finished your training and you have the biggest ability to ramp up your, you know, career or business as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what else are you doing? If you have a family, that's when you're raising kids. Yeah. Okay. So that's when you have like five-year-olds or <laughs> or what, like all of this super stressful stuff mm-hmm. happening at exactly the same time. So that doesn't mean that you just 
that means that you have to be even more cognizant and more deliberate of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Because, because there will be, I mean, is it worth sacrificing time with your family to rapidly expand your business? If that potentially means that you can completely pull yourself away from it two years sooner, it might, it might not. I don't know. Exactly. And that's yeah. the thing is it might, and it might not. And so there isn't some cookie cutter out there. And that's where where people get their mentoring and guidance and leadership and who they learn from matters. And a lot of people are listening to very unhealthy voices, very self-centered voices, very self-serving voices versus what is that biblical foundation of marriage, of building my life, which the Bible doesn't say put this and this and this here and then do this. And like it's not extremely nitpicky prescriptive. Oh, no. We like to do that in Christendom and try to give all these, well, you have to do this. It's like, yeah, but. What's the algorithm, right? Okay. What order or or the best way, or tell me when's the best time to have kids or when do I do this? And yeah, I know men that have, that would never have gone to college if they had not married that girl who pushed them and vice versa. Her, she would never have gone to college if he had not married her and pushed her. And on and on to different training and different levels and different uh, risks. And it's just neat to see others. You know what? I never would have if I had gotten married. That was me. I would have dropped out. I would have focused on family. Instead, I was towards the end of my doctorate when I met my wife. And so God knows and he's, if we trust him and we live for him, it's a very different outcome. Now, you guys face some challenges as well, as everyone does. Um, what was one of the, your huge, big hurdles that you had to face as a couple? So, well, I'll start speaking to that. I think that, you know, a lot of people think that you get to be, I don't know, 20, mm-hmm. 30, 40, 50 years of marriage. And it's like, oh, you must have figured out the secret and it was really easy. And you're not going through the same stuff we are that are struggling and it's totally the opposite of that it's like everybody struggles with the same stuff the same thoughts the same sin in their head um pretty much and so we you know you just learn the people that come out that appear successful and have a you know have a happy marriage um is that they've learned how to navigate those hurdles and work through them together and um each time you do that it gets easier Yep. <laughs> um, to the point where you know you work through it. so it's just like any other kind of training so for gosh i mean i would say to begin with sorry hun um i you know i had these this vision in my head that tim was the knight in shining armor on the white horse well, come along to well, well obviously <laughs> that's intuitive sweep me off <laughs> my feet from all my baggage that i brought into the marriage you know, so to speak. And, um, so I had a lot of stuff growing up and through college years, I had, um, really quickly, like, i been anorexic and bulimic and was still actually overcoming that just as we had gotten married and were graduating from uh, medical school and even into residency with the pressures there was working through that. And that's a whole testimony of how I became a Christian that struggle and, background but I would you know still kind of healing from that and not knowing what I wanted to really do with my life and uh 
whole reason I got into medicine was a lot of family pressure and not knowing if I really wanted to do this. And man, you get through all those years of undergrad, med school, residency. I mean, you're kind of like at the point where it's like, you got to just tip it over the edge and keep going, but I didn't want to. Mm. Um, and, and cause I'm like, what else am I trained to do? I got, I got to stick this out, but I hate it. You know, I wanted Tim to just sweep me off my feet, give me the answers, make my life better. And long story short, you know, we, we get through that. I start a career. We don't have kids yet and I'm still unhappy. And then I'm really mad and pardon the language, but pissed off at him because I did all this stuff. I got, you know, married this guy that I thought was perfect and had, you know, was going to help fix, fix uh, it. Again, that's intuitive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, you know, and I was still really unhappy. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, now we've been married three, I, I don't know. It was probably about five years. Um, And so there was a lot of bitterness because th his career was going well, not working out on where I was at. I was unhappy with that. I was just, still struggling with all these demons and um it it was one of those tough points and him basically said to me you know and it was one of those hard moments but he said i'm not here to make you happy happy's on you between you and god and you got to work that out here's the book no I'm, <laughs> i did read a book um and wasn't it uh it was find, finding finding god, god by larry crab yeah. you know one of the kind of and icons of and Christian it wasn't counsel. quite here's a book but uh, at the same time i did find that book and read it and it was so eye-opening to be free to be taught me to it's okay to be unhappy uh learning about my self-worth and unhappiness is you know between me and God, and it's not my spouse's job. And long story short, I mean, that was a really tough time we went through because it was putting so much pressure on him mm -hmm. uh, that he would never live up to those expectations. It was unrealistic, but I think people do it all the time because there's always these needs and wants that we have that our spouses can't fulfill and they might never fulfill. And we're expecting that. And until you learn that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to, be a ma massive burden on the marriage and very caustic in the relationship between you. Set up um, to fail. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah. It's set up to fail because the, right. That's a need that they can't meet. But you know, it's interesting because you, you kind of have to understand the sewage with which we float, you know, you know the, <laughs> I love it. And, and the, the culture is it's always the next thing. Okay. Yep. Because it's because we've essentially built an entire economy around covetousness and you know disposable everything. It's the next thing, right? Yeah. So, well, this car is kind of a piece of crap. It's ten years old. I need a new car. It's the next thing. Yeah. Okay. And that's fine if it's cars, and it's you know it's fine if it's vacations. I mean, you know, you can be look forward to the next thing if you you know do it responsibly. But so so we're. So it's built on this underlying principle of dissatisfaction. You have to be per persistently dissatisfied so that you'll you'll buy and per perpetually consume the next thing. So what happens? Well, my marriage is not satisfying. So I must have bought the wrong car. Exactly. I mean, oh, you know, clearly, clearly, if I had the right car, it would make me happy for the rest of my life. Well, but marriage isn't consumption. That's the problem. 
And that's why I've always, you know, like I've had this debate with my kids and with a whole bunch of people. They're like, why do you think getting married before or living together before you get married is wrong? It's just because God says it's wrong. I said, I said, well, no. I said, there's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Because what makes a marriage is the fact that you get to 20, you know, you get to 15,000 feet, the door opens on the airplane and you go, okay, I've been trained. I have a parachute on. I know how to deal with my emergency procedures. And you got to exit the freaking plane, right? Because it is a 100% commitment. When you go into something and say, I'm going to try it out and see if we're compatible. What you're saying is this relationship isn't about us. It's about me. I need to make sure you're acceptable to me. And if you're acceptable to me, then we'll make the next commitment. No, no, no. Guess what? You're both entirely unacceptable. You're both entirely flawed. Yep. <laughs> yes. And get the right parachute on your back and take the jump and say, yeah, okay. Now we, my brother said this brilliantly at our wedding. He said, you know, you graduated from medical school this week. What you've really been given with that diploma is a license to learn how to practice medicine. Mm-hmm. And now today you got a marriage license, which is a license to learn how to get to know somebody in the most intimate way possible. I oh, love that. Yeah. So, so it's, it, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, so we build a, a, a fence around that. To protect it. Yep. Because it's so unbelievably amazing. And it isn't the next thing, you know? And and, and so, and, and that's, so stop the shopping, you know? You're not shopping. You're done shopping. Grieve the loss of shopping <laughs> for the next hot woman or easy, whatever. Easy, easy for a man to say. No, no. Women like shopping. Are you kidding? We are 100%. <laughs> oriented it's like i remember i I was with a bunch of my skydiving buddies in arizona and this waitress showed up and she was absolutely like next level gorgeous and i said man did you see her like that was this stunning right and these guys like would you say that around your wife i said 100 percent of the time (laughs) because they know she knows i'm not gonna pursue somebody i said we, you know, we live in a small town, you know, in Sweet Home here. I said, if a Lamborghini drove down the middle of Sweet Home, where the only thing you see is log trucks and pickups, I'd go, holy cow, did you see that? It was a Lamborghini. And she'd go, wow, that's crazy. And they're like, I can't believe that. And I go, well, the reason you can't believe that is because you're always hunting for the next thing, dude. And you're and the woman you're with now knows that because she was the next thing four months ago. Oh, ouch, ouch, ouch. Yep. Absolutely. Now, having, having said all that, you know, talking about struggles and things, I was, I believe it or not, I, as the woman was the one who, you know, twice, I I call it the seven year, not seven year itch, but it seemed to come in cycles of that where, um, twice really two big moments where I said, I don't think I can do this anymore. I, I, I don't know that I love you anymore. I think I'm out. Um, which, yeah, surprises, you know, a lot of people they are like, wow, like, wow, you know, it was you, not, you know, Tim, because often it's often, not always the man more than the woman. And 
it wasn't about someone else I was attracted to. There's no infidelity. It was just about struggles were happening. Didn't feel in love anymore. You know, you lost that love and feeling the whole thing, you know, what's love got to do with it song, but it's true. It happens. Um, we each, you know, when you're married, as Tim said, you get to know that person so intimately that you see all the ugliness, you know, in yourself, but in the other person. And then it's like, nah, I'm kind of like getting tired of the the stink, so to speak, or the ugliness. And, and we become selfish and we, yeah, start to be jaded by, well, this looks better out there. The grass looks greener on the other side. Their grass looks more watered. Like, why is it not good over here? I don't think I can do this anymore. I'm tired of mowing my own lawn. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the analogy. And I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm not, I feel like I'm not getting anything back. Oh, this is crap. I'm, I'm just done. It would be easier to pull the plug and walk because the pain just is too much. And, um, you know, right now, you know, just not to even come up with any specific thing, but it's just all those things, you know, it's seasons of life, you know, yeah. The burdens of the kids, the struggle, the work, um, we change physically as we get older. We change our interests as we get older. It's like, well, I married you. You weren't, you didn't want to act like a gypsy and travel around the world, (laughs) the world, or, um, pick your thing. We, we grow and we have to either, you know, you have to be growing together or you do grow apart. But I always say that, um, for, you know, for me, those two times, man, it was just a lot of finally communicating that with Tim, mm-hmm. which is very hard to do, um, you know, until you practice it, but really to sit down and go, okay, we need to have a really good talk because day of reckoning. I'm feeling like this. Um, and to sit down to, with your spouse, I mean, it's very tough to say, I don't think I, I don't know if I love you anymore let's talk about it. Like, what does that mean? It doesn't mean I'm just going to run away, but that's how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. So what do we do about it? Um, Well, yeah. There's elements of for why she should have felt like that. I mean, that that's, that's the reality, right? I mean, there's things that I was doing that made her have different feelings. I mean, like, hello. Now, how am I going to know that as a dumb guy that, (laughs) to work on cars and ride motorcycles if no one communicates that to me Mm -hmm. well you're you're not right and guys don't read minds and this idea i will i will say this sort of as a confrontation to women and i think may will would would agree this idea that if he really loves me he'll know what i think okay (laughs) you need to you need to (laughs) demon back into hell because that's where it came from correct Uh, and, you know, I had that demon on my back on a, in a big way, just telling me that all the time. I mean, and I don't know how, I don't know how people even get that, how, you know, women, men, men too, because there are, well, men I know that, exactly there how, are men that, I know, I know how women get it. How's that? Because they sit around drinking wine at 430 in the afternoon and they finish each other's sentences if they're really good. Oh, friends. boo. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's Kathy and Hoda. I mean, that's what it is. I guess because I, that's how women relate. How do men relate? They 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 compete. Mm-hmm. You know, 
And so we go ride bikes together and then we get off the bike and we're like, man, you're kind of a pig. How come you gained weight? Well, I've been drinking too much beer. Well, you better quit that. Come on. Or else I'll kick your ass. I mean, that's how men relate or they go golfing and sort of beat the you know stink out of each other at a golf course or a slow pitch or whatever. And then everyone's happy and they get some aggression out and that's how men relate to each other. And you give each other a really hard time. I mean, can you imagine if women treated each other like men do in a locker room? Oh gosh. Uh, I don't really. I mean, they I don't really want to know about that. Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. as well, in I, different. I, I'm thinking there's some women's sports teams that probably do. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> know. But, but... Just like there are some guys that don't do the whole competition thing, like me. So it's kind of yeah. And there's some the very spectrum, touchy. if you will, of yeah. There's some touchy feely sensitive guys that are right. <laughs> But for the most part, you're right. If if I, if in the irony, I married someone who's more like the guy type side of that, if you will, the intellectual legal person, she used to be in the legal field. And, and it's so funny to see that, um, the, the way that that still is a fit that God designed something that fits that in the end of the day, I'm still the guy and she's still the girl. And but you're right. right. There's such difference. We're not meant to read each other's minds. We're not meant to just know it all. It's hard. But I can't imagine that day that you sat down even with, with him and said, I don't know if I love you anymore. And well, yeah, but it, oh, get, it, it gets better. better. It gets way tell better. Him how I, yeah, tell so, him how so, I did it. So here we are. We've been married for, I don't know, what, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And we're spending this insane amount of money to remodel our house like you know add a thousand square feet to it and and we're living in an absolute dump trailer on our property we have an 18 month old and she's you know six months pregnant with our son and i get up ready to go to work and i'm sitting there at this in this junky trailer at the kitchen table and she's like yeah i don't think i love you anymore i'm like okay well uh let's push pause on that and i'm gonna go see 35 patients and uh, we can pick this conversation. While <laughs> oh, well, you sit here in this two by 20 foot long trailer in the rain in the Pacific. Northwest, I mean, and basically I no heat. I, I basically just potty outside. I basically just turned into Tina Turner and I said, really? Well, what does that have to do with anything? Because <sighs> the reality of the situation is and I honestly don't remember exactly what I said, but that's exactly pretty what much. I felt. That. It's like, well, what is that? What does love have to do with any of this? OK, because because we're going to have two kids and we're both going to raise them. And so like practically, whether we're married or not, doesn't matter because that's not going to change. Right. And, you know, we're accruing a whole bunch more debt that we have to like earn our way out of because we're building our dream house. So, I mean, I basically was like, you better figure your, your, your stuff out (laughs) because I'm not going anywhere. And and apparently he had nothing to figure out, you know? Yeah. So the story doesn't (laughs) quite like that. (laughs) That's exactly what I felt. That was and, I mean, moment, right? It was a, a, a tons of stuff that I had to change. I mean, the biggest thing was, you know, because she wanted a savior, I was happy to be the savior. So, really, what she needed was if she, if there's, if there was a problem, the right answer most of the time for me was just to go, okay, you know, I'm sorry, there's a problem. You let me know what you need and just leave it alone, which was unbelievably painful for me. Because I felt so out of control. And and that was it. Like me solving the problem or mm-hmm. her 
problem was really just a way of controlling her. I mean, that's what it was. Yes. And she understood that emotionally. And so that's what I had to stop doing. Nice. Well said. Yep. Because we had to be equals because we know what happens when we work together when we weren't equals. <laughs> yeah. Um, that whole thing, though, of like, he's just going to figure out what I'm thinking. Uh, uh, you know, that would be one of the things I would say to anybody is you can tell yourself that. And, you know, yeah, maybe your girlfriends finish your sentences, but learning to communicate first of all learning to figure out what you need and want is the first step because often we think we know and when you just step take a step back and go uh, i'm really mad or we're having this fight but what is it that i really want you know so figuring that out and then learning to say okay just so you know this is what i really need from you or this is what i'm feeling and want and then they, they might go yeah i knew that or oh okay or thanks for telling me that or I don't respect that right now. Let me think about it. But at least even just being able to Get say, it out. <laughs> well, right. I mean, because, holy cow. Because otherwise you're getting a radial arm soft for Christmas. Okay. And, and that's, that's a, I think an apt analogy, which is the, you know, if I, if woodworking is my hobby and I've always wanted this really super amazing radial arm saw, then obviously my wife wants the exact same thing. Of course. <laughs> Of course. And, and so, so this idea, this idea that, you know, sometimes people are giving and giving and they really are giving. The problem is they're giving entirely incorrectly because they're giving based on what they think is valuable, not what their partner thinks is valuable. So to get to oh, the, yes. one of the great, honestly, this is really, it really, it, this is amazing. This was eye-opening for us, which we learned in a Bible study group, right? That yeah, book? Yeah. Um, which is, I think, the single greatest, if there's one, at least for us, um, if there's one, one single resource as far as a book, it's His Needs, Her Needs by uh, Willard Harley. Harley. Yeah, that, that that's a that's so unbelievably practical. And most of this stuff is really practical. Yeah. But, you know, interesting, because one of the greatest, it, it, most memorable, probably Christmas gift I ever got from May was a stocking stuffer. And it was... Um, it was one of Chevelle's, it was Chevelle's newest album. And this is music that she cannot stand. Okay. I mean, like I love metal. It's my son's favorite, you know, became my son's favorite band. And the fact that she actually saw that, picked that out and gave it to me, under, made me understand that she understood who I was. Especially was, because she didn't like it. Especially since she exactly. didn't like it. Exactly. So what, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Maria. <laughs> yeah. Right. So my wife bought me tickets to the Blue Man Group one time, and she can't stand those kind of things. She even brought a book with her. <laughs> like, do I need to like get another date to go? Like, you don't even want to go, and that's not acceptable. <laughs> so she came. She brought a book, and she actually didn't even open her book. She she kind of enjoyed it, but um, Wicked the the Wicked uh, show. She got tickets to that, and because she knows I love that stuff. She does not. She hates it. When we were first married, we had tickets to the Dallas, Texas Symphony Orchestra. After like three times going, she's like, it all sounds the same. Like I'm bored out of my mind. <gasps> I'm on the edge of my seat because I was major music, something of you know, very important. Wow. So I it's saw like, it. It's, 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 
DC with way too many guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, but you know exactly the, that. I mean, it just sounds so painful. And if you're the spouse inviting them, you think oh, I don't want them to come because this is they're going to hate it. They're going to ruin my evening. But to invite someone into your world like that and mm-hmm. share it, even if it's you know just the one time thing, so that they can you know they might like it, they might not. I mean, Tim got up me to go. He, dragged me to alice cooper so you just got to see Ooh. this i was like yeah uh when the snake came on the stage uh, i was like done thanks i'm like <laughs> so, wait they're gonna chop his head off they're chopping his head off they're chopping his head off uh, but you well. know but you I, I can appreciate it you know and i also oh, it's okay to have some boundaries then right and just say no yeah, to- <laughs> i think you know there's another part that's worked really well for us which is yeah you absolutely i mean what you learn about the other person and just about life in general by by being drawn into the differences is really pretty awesome. It is. Okay? It really is the celebrate diversity. It the, is, really. Same time, I think it's really powerful to have your own stuff. So, yes. Like, you know, I go to Sturgis virtually every year. I take a you know week, 10 days, two weeks off. And I call May almost every single day, which most of my friends don't call their wife. And, and, uh, I come back and I'm like, man, this was crazy. You, you know, it was really fun, but it literally from a vacation perspective, it would be May's version of hell. It would be every single thing that she doesn't like. It's loud. It's crowded. It's obnoxiously, you know, there's it's, it's cosplay for 50 year old, you know, professionals on and on and on and on. But it's because I get to, you know, I get to be a badass for 10 days and then, (laughs) and so, and And I've never been, I don't like the loud and don't like that stuff. So (laughs) you'd still appreciate it. I mean, I would, I mean, I ride Harley too. And yeah, but it it is something to kind of behold. Uh, It's so many, and it's so, it's so different. Like you can find whatever you want to there. And so um, you can kind of make it however you want, but it is loud and it is very crowded and that you're not getting away from that. Yeah, exactly. And then she, you know, she usually takes a, a week um, by her, you know, with herself or with our daughter, or, you know, one of her friends and, you know, goes away. She likes the beach, goes to Hawaii or whatever it is. And it's just like, I stay home and work. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, I think that, um, you know, there, your we, marriage is in trouble. If you ever do that, your marriage is in trouble. That's what some people say. No, I think your marriage is in trouble if you don't. And because we are unique individuals and to keep things fresh and alive, you need to, I mean, figure out what it is that attracted you to that, you know, other person in the first place. Um, but we doing things apart just, I think, frees you a little more. You don't have, because you don't have everything exactly in common. It's good to get out do your own independent thing and then bring that back to the relationship. And, and I think you're more invigorated and it's interesting when he can tell me about his trip and he's alive, you know, with excitement and he had fun. And, and I'm like, that's fascinating. No, I didn't want to be there. Cause then I, I would be all ticked off and mad and couldn't appreciate it. But when I see how he's like bubbling over with enthusiasm, how alive it made him feel as a guy to, to go to Sturgis and do all this, I'm like, that's really cool. He's really excited. It would be a totally different experience. Like the college students I talk to now, they want to marry someone that's basically a cookie cutter copy of themselves. 
Like if I'm a hunter, I need to marry a hunter. If I am a diehard football fan, they need to be a die. It's like you cancel each other out if you're the same person. No, you want to marry someone who's sexually different than you and in all other ways different than you because they add value to your life. Like you said, it's true diversity, if you will. It's true a depth of growing my wife's uh, literature and books I would never in a million years read, ever, ever, ever read. And what she brings is a depth of a story that actually has challenged me to think in different ways about ideas and, and the areas that I work in. And it's been neat to see the, the moving together of those two things, of them yep. making me a better person because of who she is. You know, you can't grow as an individual. You're right. If you're in your own bubble. So if yep. you're married to yourself, you're, you're not going to grow. And it just made me think right now as we're talking about uh, what's that? I can't remember the saying, but there's there's that circle diagram and everybody's going to know it where, you know, there's it's where all the lines cross over and there's that point in the middle where they all overlap. But yet yeah. the mm-hmm. three sort of circles are separate. And it's like that with marriage. I mean, you want to have a lot of things, obviously, that you both do together, like to do together. I mean, obviously, why are you together? But you still need your separate things mm-hmm. um, that bring new and uniqueness to the and flavor to the table um, as well. And so where that all overlaps and intersects is where you, know, you just have this amazing overflowing, I think, relationship because there's in- independent things, there's connected things that you do together um, as well. And then family things, career things. So, yeah, it's not all the same, and it definitely should not be all separated. Well, right, because and, that's not healthy either. But if you think of it as like construction, like a like a foundation, so the foundational stuff is really critical. You know, like what do you believe from a faith perspective? What do you, you know, maybe what do you believe politically if that's important to you? What do you believe about how many kids you want to have? What do you believe about raising kids? What do you? I mean, I think for us, it's the four Fs, and um, we had a podcast actually that we did called we have four f's to give which is faith uh faith family finances and fun and you have to have all four of those and they all inter interreact and if you don't then you don't have it's harder to have a balanced satisfying life mm-hmm. and so you know the foundational stuff has to be foundational but then once you start building rooms you know one room is a you know a family room one room is a kitchen and one room is a you know th- th- that's where all the other kind of diversity but you don't get to have that diversity unless the foundation is built correctly for yeah. yes exactly so so that stuff is really critically important and you know like i know that if she goes to hawaii for two weeks she's not going to be sleeping with the bellboy mm-hmm. like i just know that well, I know my wife went to, she got together with a bunch of college friends. I was in Georgia with two kids at home and everything that could go wrong went wrong that weekend. She goes off with college friends to San Francisco. Um, and it was there, a bunch of friends reunion, just friends from college. And um, we had one kid over skin reacted to something in the clothing. It happened to be the detergent from someone else. Uh, another one puked at the pool. So I called our pediatrician a couple of times um, and it went, we survived, but I remember going away from it. I never worried about what she was doing and just the peace of that. 
It was so incredible to think about that and vice versa. When I go away and do stuff, she's never worried about me because that's not the case for most of my clients and most of the people I talk to is they're more micromanaging or checking their phones tracking them. And yeah, it's, it's so important that the, the ability to be separate and together. Now for you guys though, this journey of, um, kind of what you went through there that six or seven years and almost like a crisis. And it was kind of a, a, a reckoning, if you will, as a couple. And where did you go from there? How did you reconcile that with a baby on the way, a little one already there, house being torn to pieces under construction? I mean, how, do, how did we, how did we fix the, get how over the house? Yes. <laughs> how did you make it to here? <laughs> So we, I would say, you know, thankfully we have really good foundation of faith, <clears throat> really good. Uh, I can't remember at that time if we were in a small group, um, support system, church, uh, but we had a lot of skills and tools mm-hmm. at that point with um, some of the Bible studies that we had done and those things. Um, we also being doctors, we, and we had a lot of training in psychiatry and psychology so we we get that and we know how to kind of unpack our baggage a little bit better than most people but we were willing to go to counseling together we it didn't come to that but i would say that that's one of those things i'm just saying i think we sat down and said okay if we need to go to counseling together to work this out we'll do it because that's that important to us we didn't have to because we could do it our you know our on our own and we learn how to we've actually gone to some a marriage retreat where we learn how to, okay, this is the talking stick and you don't, you don't get to say a word. Yeah, until... we, tried, we tried that. And, and, <laughs> I think and we after, beat each other after with 10 it. minutes, we wanted to beat each other with the talking stick. <laughs> but that was not we, a good we've, yeah. we learned some tools along <laughs> the way, plus with our training that we learn how to kind of get through the, that part ourselves. But we, it's those things that this is what we did was we actually learned how to, he said, I can't read your mind. So mm-hmm. you had to tell me what I'm feeling. You would actually say that. And, you know, to and for gave me, you permission, I, gave yes. you permission to speak. And, and then I learned to say, I can't, I, I need, we're going to, you know, we're fighting about this and I'm feeling frustrated and he'd want me to just talk about it. Like never let the sun go down on your anger, you know, Bible verse. And I'm like, yeah, I can't. Cause I got a process. Yeah how to say this to you without a being mean, hurting your feelings, being cruel and saying the right words to express how I'm feeling. So I would say, this is what I need. I need this boundary. Let me have like 24 hours mm-hmm. and then let's have a date to sit and talk about this. So we, we learn how to um, ask each other for what we needed. We learn how to say, no, I, I will be ready to talk about this then. And then being vulnerable is so hard, even though it's the person, you know, that sees you naked, you have intimate sex with to be verbally vulnerable is so tough. And to say, I hate to say this, but I don't feel like, yeah, you know, say those things. Another analogy, you have to open the purse. It never ceases to amaze me that women will meet somebody and let them like sleep with, with, you know, together on the first date, but there's no way in hell they'd ever get into their purse. (laughs) Interesting. Yep. And I'm like, uh, uh, something about this just doesn't make sense. Yep. So these, I'm just saying, these are really specific tools that we used um, 
and learned that it's, if you know that this person has your back, they've committed their life and they're married, you know, we've both committed to the marriage is bigger than us. Then I should be able to say, okay, and be very vulnerable with my emotions and feelings and trust that he's not just going to, you know, laugh at me, you know, uh, and, and damage me more. And so we learned that it was, it's hard, but the more you do it, it's uh, like going to the gym, you know, and having to do that first push up when you fall on your face. Yeah, you're gonna. Well, but you, so we did that. Um, a lot of feedback loops. Yes. Like tons of feedback loops. So it's like, okay, did, did that, did that help? Did that thing I did or it was, I mean, it can be, in, and, and it's all super practical. We also learned to put it in each other's put each other's glasses on the rose, you know, the different colored, you see the world through a different perspective. And we learned that, uh, you know, I, he gets car analogies a lot or music analogies. So I'd say, okay, you know, it would be like, if you doing this would be like, if I'm slamming the car door super hard and, or not keeping the car clean, we would learn analogies that the other person related to. Nice. Uh, and, and, so that, that we could put it, things in that perspective and, and be like, oh, okay. Uh, so we did a lot of that. We we also have very good friends. And I'd bounce things off my girlfriends who've been through tough times, you know, and ha have a real dose of reality, you know. Someone would say, uh, this one friend of mine, she's like, yeah, I was, you know, I've, uh, you know, I'm, we're both been divorced and remarried and we, we've done that. And, you know, you think it's easier just to walk out and leave. And um, that was helpful. We we never did do the formal counseling, because, but we were willing to. And so I think those are some practical tips for people to really, uh, I don't know, hopefully take and use. Well, but What you came to it with is, and I love that you made the point, you're both very highly educated people. We're we're actually in this culture right now degrading the value of that, <laughs> and it's like sorry, the stats still show the lower the education, the higher the divorce, the higher everything, all the unhealthy stuff. There's something very amazing, just amazing about not only a liberal arts education, but building on that the tools that allow you then the skills to handle life, and the value there is immeasurable you cannot put a dollar amount on that in, in a sense i agree that college is too expensive and there's too many other unless you get a gender studies degree in which that's case. that's the most valuable <laughs> one yes get the gender studies our box oh gosh yeah um you know <laughs> i think the the theme of what we're talking about if you know at least in my opinion is everyone struggles and as May said, everyone struggles with the same things, okay? So guess what? If you get married, you will struggle with money. You will struggle with sex. You will struggle on what is the other person thinking. You will struggle on, do I still feel in love? Oh, no, I must have married the wrong person. What's the exactly. next? Everyone is going to struggle there, yeah. with that. But here's the difference. Some people struggle better than other people. Bingo. So the key to what you do for a living, what we've done for a living as far as counseling people in this regard is you want to learn how to struggle better. Okay. Correct. The difference between the guy with the eight pack abs and the 
you know, whatever in the gym is because he learned how to struggle effectively. Mm -hmm. Struggling actually, to be honest with his, with his, the, the super fit bodybuilder guy is actually struggling more Mm -hmm. because he's been willing to enter the struggle to change his body. So why not enter the struggle of making your marriage amazing? Because that's going to affect your body, your your life in ways that are far more profound and amazing than whether or not you got eight pack abs. Yep. Yeah. Said. I like. So then, I like eight pack abs. Though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And I'm getting closer. I've I've shed the kegs so far, and that's been a real bonus. <laughs> well, then, so then, where did that lead? At that point, you guys kind of started talking things out. You started le- listening, doing one another. Um, I can see that as a just revolutionary for your marriage in and of itself. But you're also right. It's like in the moment. If you think of that family who's in that moment right now, kids are coming. We're just trying to survive financially. We're doing this, that, the other. It's like your feelings, really? You want to talk about your feelings? <laughs> we don't have time for that. We're in survival mode. Well, but yet you I, actually need to stop and kind of talk through those feelings because it actually does matter. So well, right. it's well, like when your house is on fire and you feel like oh, let's just pack everything up and run away and like leave the you know the fire burning. I'm not going to call the fire department and yet the fire's going to just blaze and take out the whole neighborhood. I mean, you really have to yes stop sometimes you know stop drop and roll and actually go yeah it would be easier just to avoid this mm-hmm. i don't have time for this well if you i mean you have no other option i mean because if you ignore it it's it just it's going to get out of control yeah and you know there's a lot of fielding grounders right i mean you can hit a ton of home runs but if you don't field grounders and put the easy outs and play appropriate defense and small ball then you're never going to be a champion. And so there's a tremendous amount of small ball that goes on. And I think you have to get back to the foundations of the relationship. And it's the same, whether it's a marriage, whether it's business, whether, you know, you're in ministry together, whatever the case may be in relationships and primarily marriages are not built on love. They're built on trust. So, you know, it's great because as Christians, you're commanded to love your enemies. So it's clearly not based on love. Okay. You're not, but, and so for us, we did a podcast called, Tim and May a like story because the goal, in my opinion, in an amazing relationship and an amazing marriage is not to love your spouse. It's to like them because that is far more satisfying. I mean, you can have the lovey dovey feelings and the sleepless in Seattle and that's fine. And that stuff comes and goes and that's, that's all great. I mean, that's part of the color palette of human emotion. But that's not what you base your relationship on. You base it because I can build a life with this person because number one, I trust them. And I trust them for a whole bunch of reasons. Right. When you get back to that, when you're in the middle of that chaos, you go, do I trust this person? And the answer is, okay, I do. All right. Well, then we can fix this. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Fiddler on the Roof. When yep. te- is it Tevia was asked, you know, do, do you want to marry my daughter? Well, I love your daughter. It's like, I'd ask you if you, if I, if you love her, do you like her? It's like, I just, I've always, that's always stood out to me. You're exactly right. It's love is one thing. If you think of the brain scans from Dr. Amen on the, the in love versus infatuated, 
It's like when you're deeply in love, the brain is actually more dormant. It's a, it's a decision. It's very almost calming, infatuated. It lights up the cocaine centers. Mm-hmm. You're literally high as a kite. It's like and people make dumb decisions when you're high. So don't make dumb <laughs> decisions when you're high in love. Exactly. And it has a shelf life. It also crashes at some point. And yes. Britney Spears in Vegas comes. There to you go. Yeah, that 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 whole I just that would be the one thing I always want to tell people is that whole courting, dating, mm-hmm. the you know, the the lust feelings physically, the brain high, all of that stuff. It's cool. And I'm not gonna say that that never comes back, but it's it uh it's different. Affect that every day for the rest of your life. Well, it's just not. But how? How can? But again, you know, it's like, look, you know, it's you know, we do a we do episodes of our show called Doc Tales with Cocktails, right? And you know, where we we tell funny stories and we we mix a couple drinks. You know, but that's a recreational thing, right? I mean, you, you can't be drunk all the. I mean, not when you get drunk, but I mean, you can't be high or drunk or intoxicated or whatever all the time. You know, it's just like. You know, I went for a run this morning and I feel really good and you get runner's high, but there's a point where you, you know, you can't be running 400 (laughs) miles a week. I mean, you know, but it's amazing how that feel like that's what's being sold nowadays, especially with, you know, legalizing marijuana and the things that we do with like the people that do the long distance running and the, it's like, we're looking for something that we will not find the side of heaven. And it's getting almost sold more and more of. If this relationship doesn't make you just knock on all cylinders, then oh my gosh, it's the wrong thing. Find something new. We're selling the the sickest bill of goods out there, from Hollywood to music to, I mean, we're in trouble. Which is where it comes back to that we said in the very beginning, that the foundation, that our marriage is actually bigger than the two individuals. It's really that commitment to God. You're the author of this. We've we've chosen each other and believe you've divinely brought us together no matter. And it's back to the traditional vows, you know, for sickness and in health, for richer or poor, like we're going to do this no matter what trailer or <laughs> emotions, wherever we're at. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, It's really amazing because some of the feedback we've gotten from our, some of these episodes we've done on marriage, it's really surprised me. Like, you know, this, what do you do when like we did an episode, I, you know, I don't love you anymore. And literally people are like, that should never happen. You married the wrong person. Yep. And I'm they like, believe a lot in La La Land. Because you're the wrong person. Yeah. Oh. And that's, I mean, it was, it was fascinating because I had all these doubts going into the the, the marriage just because I really wanted it to work. Yeah. And I spent all of this stuff I hadn't worked through, which was, well, she's supposed to be this perfect thing. It was kind of May's view of me, but in a slightly different. Yeah. Oh yeah. I felt the same way. And my dad, it was fascinating because my dad is this really understated guy. He's very wise, but really understated. And my and I said to my mom, I'm like, man, you know, I'm kind of having cold feet. Like, I don't really know what I should do. And, and my mother looks at me with this abject horror. And she says, what, you think you could do better? And my dad <laughs> up and goes. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Absolutely, you could do better. But you know what? May could do a lot better, too. Ouch. Yeah. And I was like. That was incredibly encouraging. It, mm-hmm. Like eventually, you just have to decide. Yes, and and I think you know, I think you have to decide. You know, you have to decide rationally. Okay, yes. Does this person believe the 
same things. Do we have common interests? Do they have, do we believe the same about raising children? Is she pretty enough? Is she fit enough? Is she, you know, financially uh, savvy enough, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like I, those things are really, those practical things are really important. I mean, why do people get divorced, right? They have an affair or money. Well, and they also have to figure out some of the reality of marrying a certain person as you get to know them and you actually honestly get to know the flaws. Is that a deal breaker? Yes. Like when my wife and I met, she, I was in the hospital three times in our 10 months that we were dating from the day we met to our wedding was 10 months. We we're in our late twenties. She owned her own house. She had no debt or very little debt. Um, had a great family, had a great church, didn't need me to save her life. I was $100,000 in student loan debts, $70,000 in medical debt, $15,000 on credit cards. Doctors telling me I'd never have a job, that I was just going to live dependent on people because of Crohn's. Walking with a cane, high on steroids. Hey, marry me. <laughs> oh, and I was working on my doctorate. I was almost done with my coursework for a doctorate. Like the most like no you don't marry this guy objectively and my wife i found out later while i was in the hospital would have conversations with her mom about her mom telling her if you marry him you're committing to working the rest of your life to take care of him based off the prognosis at the time and she said the humbling thing for me is she said yes under those circumstances she said yes. And the day I asked her to propose, I proposed, she's the more you know rational one of us. I'm the emotional one. She's like, I know he's cheesy enough on Valentine's Day to ask me. So I need to, if I'm going to say no, I need to tell him ahead of time. So, and then I did. And she said yes. And then married in July. 11 months later, I bled out and almost died. They told her I wasn't going to make it. She's been a stay-at-home mom for the last 14 years and homeschools our kids. It's like God's, like where we are and where we were, it's so incredible. And the story is incredible, but who do we trust in? And if you look at the rational things, the college students I talk to, or don't get married until you're after, till after college, or don't get married till this and that. And there's all these, you know, each family has their own set of rules. It's like, but it's different for everyone. And right. so we want to set all these general standards and it's like, but that's not scripture. The Bible is what we stand on, which doesn't have a prescription of that. So how do we work the rest out? And I think that's actually the beautiful part. That when you marry, it's, am I in it for life? And the, the values you have when it comes to that, those things you mentioned of just the commonalities that allow us to start at least that foundation. Right. No, I, I t totally to your point about the beautiful part is, you know, when once you get those boundary, not boundaries, but you're, this is the baseline. This is my limitations. These are the things I'm willing to live with or not live with. And then you make that commitment. Then then the beautiful part happens because if you're living living scripturally, you know, and loving that person and working through the flaws that come up and the road bumps um then man what you how you grow spiritually individually because you're learning to 
live trying to <laughs> with, you know, stumbling blocks along the way because we're human and we're not perfect, but to, to grow spiritually by giving yourself, by trying not to be selfish, by giving back to the marriage, by trying to love and lift up that other person, even with their flaws, even when it's hard for you. I mean, just as we always say, iron sharpens iron and, you know, the production of a diamond through all this pressure um, literally brings something beautiful out of it. And it's amazing how hard work, pain, suffering really does produce um, something so fit and beautiful and well, was, you guys, you after that season, what was the next big struggle that you had when it came to the the working out of us? There, well, there was another. Uh, that, you know, after I'm trying to think, that was. Well, after. there was there was a couple things. I mean, May had another kind of speed bump. A few, I don't know, five six years ago, same kind of thing. You know, it's just like, um. You know, and for good reason, you know, I was just getting burned out in my work and, you know, not really emotionally as present as I needed to be. And, you know, physically, you know, she marries, she marries this marathon runner with a six pack and I've kind of turned into a biker with a keg. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of really objective things and there's stuff that I needed to learn, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. So that, that pain was totally iron sharpens iron, but then, you know, realistically the last two years, three years really have been like, they've been absolutely horrific in our lives. I mean, terrible. And we've been closer than we've ever been. And at least I think we have, you know, we had this major career change, you know, place that we worked at for 25 years, you know, massive contract dispute, legal BS that went on for almost a year. You know, then we went into another, uh, another place that we worked at good place, great people, contract violations, like all sorts of weirdness. And, um, you know, during that, you know, our 12 year old dog dies a week later, my mother passes away. We're and- dealing with COVID at work. We get evacuated from our house because the whole state's burning down, you know, and, and but the fact is, is because of those other things that have happened before, it actually pushed us together. Not a, I mean, I totally and we've spent so much time together. It's it's kind of dumb. I mean, it, it really is. Like, you know, we spent, because we're kind of in this semi-retired in-between careers phase now. And it's just like, you know, what are you got? I mean, we're together a lot. And it it's it's awesome. Like, it it's That's way awesome. back. That's neat. I mean, I, I think it is. I mean. Well, and that's know. not what I hear from most people. Most people the last few years has utterly revealed the underbelly of stuff and they're on a you know on lifeline it's it's just you know it's horrible they're not okay so that's incredible it shows that the the work you put in earlier the difficult stuff the hard conversations the tears even the anger the frustration is paying off later at the next phase when more trauma comes along if you will or struggles so that's incredible to see well we're i mean we're seeing it because a lot of couples and friends that are at this phase in life because our kids are early at, you know, adults. Now when the kids start to grow up and they're in high school or they're leaving to college and then kids are gone, all of a sudden there can, it seems to be either 
all of a sudden the couples are like, oh, this is great. Now we have more free time together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're starting all over. How fun. Or who are you? And I can't remember why we got married. And all of a sudden you're like, shoot, now there's no kids here. The glue that's holding this family together is gone. And so well, I, that's I just, a big, I think. The, the second the kids left, I just stopped wearing pants. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even wearing pants now. The poor, U- <laughs> the, the so, poor UPS guy. Yeah, no. It's Every just, time I he mean, shows up at the house. But, but that's really it. I mean, it, what the way May says it is exactly correct. It's like people either the kids leave and it's like, oh crap, there's no reason to be together, or it's the pants off dance off, right? I mean, it really, you know, it's like well, this is what we waited for. We crossed this bridge. Our kids are awesome. They're out of the house. They're doing something really cool. Now we get to do something else that's really cool. I mean, that's where we're living. Yeah. Now, to and, get to that over the last three years and then, was so, like, you know, the flames of hell, but that's okay. I mean, it obviously, bur- we had, we obviously had some dross that needed to be burned off. Right. But I would say to, to you know, what you said or asked about career, how do you stay married? You know, with these career things for us and for most people, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I think career is really important thing, but I think what happens with the kids is just as important, if not more of a, an issue that you have to figure out because, you know, we're in a society now where it's like, I just want my, everyone says, I just want my kids to be happy. We want them to have all the stuff we never had. People are living for their kids. It's always about the sports or the kids activities and everything surrounds around the kids stuff. And that's unhealthy because it's not healthy for your kids to learn that everything evolves around them. Um, But B when you put everything into the energy around the kids, then the marriage and your relationship as a couple takes a back seat and it shouldn't, it should be at the forefront. And so that's one thing we are always, we're always cognizant about. We talked about, we said from the get go, like, you know, our, our kids were part of the family, but um, our relationship came first because it didn't, then everything else would suffer. And so, yes, you know, kids got to do stuff. They had input. They had a great life, but we didn't live our lives around their activities or their well, stuff. Yes. Case in point, our son, when he was about eight, came to us and said, if you're not going to take us to Disney World, why did you have kids? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's a good sales point. Yeah. And and so, but you know, it's fascinating because it's really true. I mean, we've had people criticize us for that one. They're like, because we say the most absolutely 100% we believe this, the most important relationship in your family is your marriage. It's not your relationship Amen. with him. It Amen. is your marriage. And they will actually be, their whole futures pivots off the health of the mom and dad's marriage. And not what they necessarily just saw. It's what they felt internally. Something that they can't even measure of this, the security yeah. of that marriage. That doesn't mean that they never fought. That means that they fought well. It means yeah. they handled very, stuff well. Yes, kids are very observant. I mean, you know that. And they they absorb they, everything. They absorb and they absorb but you know everything. It's, it's yeah. interesting because Billy Graham, one of his regrets was he, he said at least in his marriage was that he never modeled conflict to his kids. And that's what I so my mom and dad, I never saw conflicts till I was in seminary. And when I saw them fight, I cried. I had never seen them fight. And then I get 
I meet Kelly and I couldn't handle conflict. I would just fall to pieces and I would want to give up because I did not know how. And so being a counselor and facing this stuff so much with other people has helped. But I still struggle with that's an area we still at 19 years of marriage are learning to be more honest. And so I've noticed even as a Christian family, we both come from ministry homes is I don't want to just raise nice kids either. I want to raise dangerous kids for the gospel. 100%. Takes them being a little more of a handful (laughs) than, but it's a balance. It's you want their faith to be core. And that's where, if you think of the family, the marriage is that core and not the kids. It's not about their sports teams and their things. And you're just basically a very glorified Uber. No, that's exactly right. It, <laughs> exactly. It's, I, I love, I, it just, I, I get chills thinking about it. It's, it's when it's in uh, Narnia, when um, they're the, the children are in the beaver family at the beaver's house yeah. and the beavers are talking with rapt um, worship about Aslan and about how Aslan is, you know, the king that's going <laughs> to, and he's a lion and the children ask, well, is he safe? Oh no, of course not. He's the lion. He's not safe but he is good. Yes. Love that. Mm. Great picture. Great picture. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Marriage. I mean, so talk worth- about safety. I could go. That's a huge topic for me. You know, where we, we, I mean, we were imprisoned by safety for the last two years. What did it get us? Nothing. Yeah. It got us a whole lot less safety. Yep. And, uh, and you know what? And it is unbelievably unsafe to get married, but it is good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. What else did you guys face when it comes to the marriage and working it out as a couple? Because we see that's the most important piece. And for me, you have, you've had to really face some struggles as you not only just facing marriage and I married him and oh my gosh, he isn't perfect. He isn't my knight in shining armor because he was never meant to be. And, and to fill that space, God's meant to be that person. Um, what else kind of came out from that for you? Um, gosh, reconcile forgiveness and I, I can, you know, I'm just thinking of little small things. I mean, I think the thing that I'm still, gosh, after all these years learning and it's every day, um, you know, the, I think the whole thing of dying to self every day is letting, like letting the, the little things go, you know, it's like, choose your, you know, we always t- say choose your battles, whether it's at work with coworkers, with something, but even just everyday things um, that get on your nerves or bother you or because everybody does things daily that drive you crazy, whether it's the lid off the toothpaste tube or the socks on the floor or the, I don't know, griping about, I'm trying to think things that I do that are so irritating to you, but you every day it's just almost like choosing your battles and it's like is this really that bad um can i let it go is this something that's going to you know it's just like an itch and and i can just scratch it or i can ignore it and it's gone or is it really going to turn into something bigger that i need to address so i mean that's a that's something i think that we we both every day something will happen and i'll be like i just want to blow up i'm like what does it really matter 
yeah, it annoys me. I'll let it go. And in 10 minutes, I'll forget about it. Who cares? Uh, so that I think is a lifelong thing that just, you have to, to learn to what to let go. Yeah. Well, and I've just, I've learned that. And I mean, not, you know, largely being married, but I think it, you learn a lot in other parts of your life as well. And I definitely have in my career is that you realize there's not many hills to die on, but man, oh man, the ones you're going to die on, you are 100% willing to die on. I yeah. mean, the commitment to right. what you will die for, so to speak, is much more robust, but that's not very many things. Like yeah. a lot of the stuff that you fought for a long time ago doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's, and, and, it, and I, I think spiritually, it, you know, I remember saying this years and years ago. You know, when what really matters really matters, then what doesn't matter doesn't matter. I mean, like when you get in, when you really focus on, okay, you know, where are we going? Why are we going there? What does God have in the in store for us in this? And that's really becomes your focus. A lot of this other stuff just goes away. Mm -hmm. And um, and so if you're really distracted by a lot of other stuff, it's probably because because your lenses are a little dirty and you're not really focusing on what really matters. Yep. And really that's to say that for most people, their lenses are very dirty and they're not focusing on the things that matter. There's too much going on in the world, <clears throat> whether it's politically or even just I mean, war and you know, all this. Like it's so much going on that it's easy to get distracted. Then there's those that haven't watched the news in 20 years and have no clue what's going on. And it's funny how they still have their own drama and they're still like, they're not okay. It's like, okay. So that's evidence of, again, the sin nature and fallenness. So how do we work that out? Uh, to me, I love what you said about the mission, like the, why are we even doing this? Whether it's building a practice or whether it's doing this or that with our kids, what we commit to with our kids, all the things that we put our hands to, why expand on the house? Why, you know, build a dream house? Why buy that vehicle? All these are decisions that we almost take flippantly and need to be actually very careful and prayerful and intentional and work as a team. Do we move somewhere else? Do we you know, make that transition? When we moved from Georgia to Oregon, oh my gosh, that was a hard decision. At the same time, it was kind of easy because of we felt God was leading us. Doesn't mean I didn't have doubt the whole nine days driving cross country on that U-Haul thinking we were making the worst mistake in the world because I have three little kids and my wife's never even been here. And it's, you know, almost 10 years later, and it's just incredible to see God's hand. And um, do we trust him or do we just literally, I'll trust you, God, as long as things work out. But if things don't work out, well, then obviously you've proven to not be trustworthy. You know, your theology matters. But, you know, it's fascinating because I read a I read a devotional this morning from Spurgeon, you know, and it was it was like, well, you, you know, look at what's happened in your life. Like base your decisions now on what's already happened. Mm -hmm. And it's like, OK, so God bailed you out six times. So he's not going to bail you out the seventh time. Like this is the time <laughs> time. It's not going to work out. Right. I mean, it's just kind of like it, like not to get too. I mean, it drives me crazy, but with this COVID stuff, it's like, okay, so let me get this straight. The company that's been fined for the largest criminal fines in the history of American business is Pfizer. Yep. 
So they were totally dishonest and have a track record of being totally dishonest. Except this time. (laughs) This is the special secret time when they're not dishonest. So let me get this straight. The CIA have been messing with people since their birth after World War II. They have, they did (laughs) ultra where they, they gave people LSD and just saw what happened completely with no consent. Okay. The federal government did stuff like the, the, uh, uh, Tuskegee experiment, you know, no consent for decades on poor African-American rural men in the South. The government and the CIA is here is, is obviously has their own agenda, except this time. Yeah. I mean, it's just insane. It's like, so God has been there for your entire life, except this time. No. Yeah. Not except this time. Yeah. It's time too. Just doesn't feel like it. And that's okay. That's why it's called faith. Because it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. It's amazing to watch what people put their faith in. People are putting their faith in Pfizer and the government. <laughs> really? Okay. Good luck with that. I'm going this right this way. Sorry. Yeah, it's we I mean, we have so many discussions about that to the point where I'm almost done with discussions about that. But I'm sure it, 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 <laughs> It's sad. And, you you know, we've all, I think, not just us, I think now everybody's really realized and, and sees the writing on the on the wall as far as what people you're right are putting their faith in and that the whole um, believing instead of trusting God and believing in some higher power, people putting their faith in a government or in science or talking heads on TV and it becoming a religion unto itself um, and a not even a cult, but a group that you hang on to. Um, yeah, a cult. Somebody on Instagram that you're, you know, a group following, or uh, yeah, it's. But but that's but that's the thing, like, like like human beings, you know, whether you whether you are a believer or not, you it's undeniable from an anthropological perspective that human beings are inexhaustibly religious, and so yeah. they can either pursue a religion that has you know, redemption and forgiveness and, you know, justice and, you know, heaven and hell and all of these things, or you can, you can be pagan and, you know, it is what it is. And we didn't appease the sky God. And so it didn't rain and we have to throw a virgin in a volcano. Right. And, and the fact is, is this scientism that we're, we're stuck in now is a pagan religion. There's no forgiveness. There's no, like you tweeted some stupid thing 10 years ago. They'll bring it back and cancel you. And you never get to go say, I'm sorry. And guess what? You never get to change. Right. Like I, I had opinions at the beginning of this that are vastly different based on data than I have now. That's just called life. Right. I have opinions about marriage that are different now than when we got married. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad that that happened. Yep. <clears throat> so, so the fact is, you know, that's, that's our four F's. Faith. Faith is number one. People think, well, I'm not religious. I'm an atheist. I don't have faith. Oh, no, you have faith. All right. You have something different than I do. Exactly. And not all faiths are the same. I'm sorry. They're not all of equal quality and they're not all of equal result. You can have faith in the Soviet Union Communist Party and that will end up with lots of dead people. That is a different faith than what I have. 
And, and people, you know, you need to understand you're living, you know, so in your marriage, what is your faith? Is it that I trust my spouse spouse? And actually, if I leave my, my dirty clothes outside of the hamper, I'm doing that because I'm a, I'm a guy and I'm just distracted. Not because I'm actually trying to punish you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to use but, a personal but, analogy, right? <laughs> she left a, she left a banana peel in, in the, console of the car which drives me nuts well she did that obviously to punish me yeah, well, no, yes. she, she did that because she got distracted and didn't think about it right there's so no grace so he thinks. grace and truth <laughs> constant tension between grace and truth there is no grace been, that's true but but if i do want to get at back at him i know how to it's power by leaving it's a, a banana peel in the car yeah <laughs> But, you know, you asked about other struggles. I mean, and, and gosh, we, we've had so many that we could go on and on and write the book about it, which we should do. But so we kind of talked, we talked a lot about family, obviously, and the kids and, you know, the faith as far as what you're putting your faith in and having the same thing. Finances is a big one because, oh, but marriages usually break up over finances, if not. And of course, lo and behold, we've all we've had our struggles in conflict with that as well. And uh, we we laugh because we currently have a financial advisor, but we didn't for years. We just kind of floated along until one day, I think in our 40s, I said, how much do we really need to retire? And like, how do we even know if we're there? Maybe we should like pull our head out of the sand and figure this out. <laughs> but but um. Up until that point, and we can laugh about it now, you know, we pro I always say uh, we could tell our financial advisor that we did all the things that you should probably not do and did all the big, big, stupid, really, other than getting divorced. That's a big, that is the big. Well, that is the for most people, that's the worst financial because mistake. Getting divorced make. sinks you, cuts your, you know, worth in half. So that is the big one we did not do. But, oh man, I mean, you have to be on the same page financially. And we talk, we've done an episode. I think we've talked a lot of times on podcasts about it as well as to friends and canceled people because man, that'll get you into trouble really fast. But we've done everything from borrowing money and doing the credit thing and pushing the credit to the, the ridiculous heights. Cause it's like, well, we'll borrow cause we make so much money because we're doctors and we have this great income so we can borrow all that and put it on credit and who cares because we'll be able to pay it off to things like you know the man we grew up quite differently mm -hmm. i was in a sort of lower to middle income family and was always taught to save 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 i had jobs as as a kid in high school and my family never wanted me to my mom never wanted me to spend that money i had to save it for college and i wasn't allowed to have i didn't learn the 10% giving, 10% long-term saving, 10% fun. It was just save it all. So I had this giant prolonged, um, what's the word? I'm delayed, gratification. delayed gratification bomb that went off as soon as we were working. And, you know, Tim wasn't in that mindset. He was still in the saver long-term plan. And I'm like, no way, man, I deserve it. I put it off for so long that the boxes were showing up on the reg, like the daily with the UPS coming with all the stuff that I was buying. And um, because it's not filling you up, it's not filling you up. It's not meeting that need in the end. Exactly. So that was going on. And, you know, we've um, 
then we have different kinds of spending habits. You know, there's this happens and you have to figure it out because someone will be the spender and someone will be the saver. And then the teeter totter can flip and we did. And then it reversed. And then I'm, he's like, eh, nah, what the hell? Pardon my language. But if you're spending all that, so am I. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be the saver. It's now. a great, co- it's a great competition because <laughs> And everyone loses. No, but I mean, and, and he wants to buy big ticket items like collectible cars and things. And I'm nickel and diming it away, you know, on Pottery Barn and like Amazon. I call it lobotomy barn because women go in there <laughs> and lose their minds. So, you know, more money, more problems, more debt. It doesn't solve more money, doesn't. I mean, obviously, there's got to be a baseline out of poverty to live, but the more you have, the more you can spend and the more you can end up in trouble. And so, yeah, we, we've done stupids too. And it, that's a area that you have to get straight. The other thing we talk a lot about too, is getting on the same page financially and and not separating your money into mine and yours Mm -hmm. must be ours. And you still need some, my money and your money. And we call it our allowance that we allocate to one another so that we can spend it however we want. If I want to go get my nails done every week, or if I want to just spend it on books that he thinks are dumb or clothes or buy the lobotomy barn purchase, (laughs) save it for a big trip with the girls to wherever, or he wants his Sturgis money. And I mean, you have to have that freedom, but, um, and everyone's got a different bandwidth of what that looks like for some couples. Sorry, it's 20 bucks because of what you make and the way you've got bills. And for others, it can be a much higher number than that <clears throat> based off your income and exactly. living, living in reality. I won't oh, yeah. my wife got mad at me because she was like, you're nickel and diming yourself away. You're whining about your 1970 something motorcycle that's constantly broke down. Why don't you buy a nicer one? She starts looking on Craigslist for me. She doesn't like them, but she's the one that kind of opened that door of, oh, if you actually save it, you can actually get a little nicer one that you can trust. Yeah. The value of mine. But it was like I wasn't living it out because of the spending habits. And that's where as a couple, it's that iron sharpens iron of maturity, even with with money. Well, right. I mean, it, I mean, it's super simple, but it's super hard, right? Like it's like losing weight. Okay. You have to expend more energy than you consume. They're done next. Yeah, yeah. But what does that look like? Well, how it looks is much different than, you know, what the, the concept is. And so it's like, do you want to eat that $10 meal at lunch three times a week that, or do you want a newer bike that actually your life depends on, you know? And, and your soul does, right? And so, and- And money's going to happen. So you can ignore it and just hope no, but and it, hope it goes no, away. I mean, financial, like but, th- this, I would have never, because it's not really spiritual, we think, even though Jesus talked way more about money and hell than he did about anything else. Right. So, um, you know, it's fascinating because it, it gets ignored. And what has absolutely stunned me was our level of financial ignorance and the exact level or even worse in our colleagues. I mean, we're working with some of the most highly educated people in the entire yeah. system, yeah. Actually, in our world. And they, they literally were financial morons that, that being polite. And 
in in reality, this is one of this is the easiest thing to figure out. Yes. Like like financial health and how to invest and how much you should and all that, that stuff's not hard. It's really easy. It's way easier than figuring out what the perfect macro ratios of are food. on food yeah. <laughs> because you got to eat, you know, two, three, four times a day, you know, whereas, you know, you get a financial plan and live in it. It's a little bit painful for a month or two. And then it's the pain goes away and you're like, okay, now we're free. If we just keep living like this, we will achieve our goals. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's just like, my goodness, the number of people I know with like incomes two or three times ours and they, they're living paycheck to paycheck. And I'm like, how is that possible? Yeah. And the answer is because it's possible for anybody. There's, yeah. Look at the mortgage. Look at their debt. Look at their, their, their toys. Look at. Yeah. But I'll say that one thing that we learned from our financial planner a few years ago, and I love this, is that it really ties into your you know, he, he says it's important to have a money date with your spouse and set it for every quarter um, where you just sit down and you go over the finances, your savings, what your goals are, the short-term plan, the long-term plan. And then the other thing. I thought I thought the, you meant when you said money date, I was supposed to throw ones at you. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can do that too. <laughs> um, but then the other thing that forced us to do and was really cool was he sat down with a life planner there because it all ties in to like write down things like what are your what are your short-term goals for life what are your long-term goals where do you if you know what would your ideal life be in five years 20 years a year you know so you need like immediate short-term long-term and write it on paper and you know what's your passion and your dream so then we can we can align our goals together and i'm like oh i didn't know that you wanted to like travel across the country in a you know motorhome and see every state it's like well i want to go to europe say for example on a on a trip and take the whole family so it's like oh okay well how can we can we make that work for both of us how do we make these goals and dreams work Uh, it's Um, called visa very easy (laughs) (laughs) But by sitting down and going, my ideal day include would include, I don't know, playing tennis every three times a week or mm-hmm. be painting with my girlfriends once a week at this, you know, with at the paint store so that you have the money, the resources, the time. It's putting um, your money where you want it to go versus right. it just disappearing on you. Exactly. Oh, and like, let's go on a mission trip. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, I want to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sitting down and being mindful about your finances, your goals and your dreams allows you to live your best life. What does God want you to do with you, this money, this stewardship that he's given you and you can plan together. And so there, it really is important to sit down and it sounds boring to talk about it, but it lets you brainstorm your goals and dreams, what God wants to grow in your life, where you're going, where are you going with your life and using money as that tool to get there. And uh, yeah, it's a, you know, cause uh, who was that uh, rabbi Lappin guy from Seattle, Daniel, Daniel, I think Daniel Lappin, he, he, he talks about, he talks about money being like blood. It's super important. You absolutely have to have it to survive. Right, just like you have to have blood running through your blood vessels to survive. Mm-hmm. He said, in the same way, if you saw a pool of blood next to somebody, you'd freak out and go, "There's some problem." And so he said, 
there's still part of the whole money where it's not gross. Like you don't use it for, you know, you know, disgustingly lavish things or what, whatever it is. He goes, cause that's like bleeding. And, and that's, that's, we know there's something wrong with the body if it's bleeding, okay. but at the same time, you know, especially in Christendom, sometimes we, we, we think it's bad. It's like, you know, money's bad. Well, no, it's just a tool. It's how you use the tool and what the tool means on whether it's good or bad, whether it's. And I call it a revealer. It also reveals. It reveals our true hearts and our true worship, if you will. Yes. Scary. I remember I just started laughing at myself. I I went into my garage one time and, you know, and, you know, had to like slink around to get around all these toys I had. And I go, hmm, where where my treasure is, where my heart is, is where my heart is. Okay, well, what do I really believe that? Because if I do, there's some crap that needs to leave this garage. Yeah. Yep, yep. And and and, and you know, the other side of the hard part is there's stuff that we do that we use money for that makes us feel alive. We should be doing those things and pursuing them. But that means that you don't get to pursue everything. And you know what? Right. That's really freeing. Yes. It's really freeing. You know, I was the guy that had to have 9,000 hobbies, but you know what? Two or three is enough. Mm-hmm. It's actually more fun and it's more freeing, yep. but it took me 50 years. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, this is a fascinating conversation. Just love talking with you guys. This is great. Yeah. Yes. We did too. Excellent time. That's for sure. Yeah, we need to do this, do this again. Um, but thank you both for you know, coming on the podcast and sharing a little bit of your heart and your story and your passion. And it's neat to see two physicians, two, two doctors who love Jesus, who love one another, are committed to one another, but also is showing a reality of, and it's been hard. It's been a journey and we're more committed than ever, which I just love that. That's beautiful. Yes. And if, if, if you're interested, we do have a podcast. Um, yes. Uh, BS free MD. BS as in, you know what that means, free <laughs> and MD, all one word uh, on virtually every major podcast platform. You can find us at bsfreemd.com. If you want to see some funny, weird things we do, Instagram is a good place. Nice. We've had yeah. uh, fun there. That's Boy, cool. We'll have links to all that in the show notes. And yes, check out bsfreemd.com. To find out more about you guys, more stories, more humor. Um, and boy, do we need some a very different perspective on even the medical this day and age. So that's beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks well, for thanks. having Thanks for coming on. Pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It's been an honor to serve. If you're struggling and in need, Dr. Gilbert provides a free consultation for new clients. Check out his website at healinglives.com to book a call. If this has been helpful to you, please share it, leave a review, and help us get the word out so that we can see lives changed, marriages touched, and more people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more help and resources, check out Dr. Gilbert's website for books, courses, and more trainings at HealingLives.com. Bless you and your family and all God wants to do in and through you. Remember, your marriage and family are worth fighting for. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert. See you next time.